Hey sisters, the doors to our four-week meal prep and workout course are officially open. We've designed this course based off of the gluten and dairy-free meals that we eat and the PCOS-friendly workouts that we do together, so you know they're delicious and fun. This course is exactly how I was able to lose 30 pounds with PCOS, and we've created step-by-step -step video tutorials to show you how to make the meals and do the workouts, so it's super easy to follow. Enroll today for lifetime access because doors close on Friday, May 15th. Welcome to A Sister and Her Mister, a podcast where we show you the real behind the scenes of how we balance the PCOS lifestyle in our marriage, gluten and dairy free. I'm Talene, your fellow sister and registered dietitian. And I'm Sirak, husband, engineer, and PCOS personal trainer. We're going to make PCOS a little less overwhelming and a lot more fun. Welcome everybody to A Sister and Her Mister. Today, we have a special guest on, along with my wife, Talin. It is Dr. Samina. Yay! Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Samina. She is a naturopathic doctor, and she, is, she has seen so many women with PCOS, and she's here to talk to us about PCOS and answer the questions from sisters on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Welcome, Dr. Samina. Do you want to give a quick introduction by yourself? Yeah, so I'm Dr. Samina. I'm from Ontario, that's in Canada. And so basically, um, my specialty or real my special interest is working with patients who have PCOS. And this really stemmed from the fact that I was diagnosed with PCOS over 10 years ago now. And I was actually diagnosed by a naturopathic doctor um, because my family doctor didn't really know what was going on. And that was a huge um, point in my health care uh, because I was able to really understand what was going on in my body in terms of hormones. And then really using like diet and lifestyle and supplementation, I was able to really um, manage and balance my hormones, which is why, you know, that led me into the interest of really learning more and more about women's health and PCOS and then really focusing my practice on helping these patients who have PCOS as well. That's awesome. That's amazing. It's interesting because it's very like similar to how Talene's journey was. She was diagnosed and and it's funny you were both diagnosed by a naturopathic doctor and honestly it seems like naturopathic doctors are are a lot more helpful than like regular doctors when it yeah. comes to PCOS. Once I switched to a naturopathic doctor, I got answers and solutions. But how long did it take you to figure things out for your body? Because every woman with PCOS is different. It takes time to figure out how so to reverse me, things. So for me, it was, I had, I went on birth control. I remember it was for acne. And the birth control really messed up with my body and my hormones. I felt like I got depressed by being on it. So then I got off and then the doctor put me on an antidepressant that's the natural thing to do <laughs> right you're depressed so you need an antidepressant so i said okay and i was like well let me just see if this passes and i waited two months and i was still feeling really bad so then i came back and i was like okay yeah, i think i need the antidepressant so oh. i went on antidepressant at that point and then i knew that something was off because my now my cycles are regular like super regular because even before the birth control i wasn't necessarily keeping track of it but I knew something was off. Um, but at that point, like, I didn't really care about if my cycle was regular or not, right? Like, I was in my teens at that point. And then 
um, yeah, that's when I went to a naturopathic doctor and she was like, I think you have this, you have PCOS just based on what you're presenting with. I had like all the symptoms of high testosterone, like hirsutism and acne. And, you know, I didn't have hair loss, but I had those two big ones and I had irregular cycles. And so um, that prompted her to do an ultrasound to like say, go to your medical doctor and get an ultrasound because naturopaths, we can in Canada um, requisition ultrasounds. So then got an ultrasound, there was, there was multiple follicles on my ovaries. So they were like, okay, like now you have three out of, you know, the three that we look for in Rotterdam criteria. And so I think it's a matter of A, we have more time, um, B, we're really trained in hormone health um, and hormones. And, um, you know, family doctors really, it's good at looking at hormones, but what they should be doing maybe is sending these patients to an endocrinologist and maybe they can find out through the endocrinologist because the endocrinologist will do a lot of similar testing that we will do um, to find out if you have PCOS. But yeah, I feel like it could be just time and the fact that we're, we're very trained in hormones. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's a lot more, like a lot more people specialize in those areas, whereas maybe before it was more general practice and they weren't looking at those specific. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you have irregular cycles, we'll just put you on birth control to regulate it. (laughs) Yeah, like that that used to be the thought that, oh, that'll fix everything and then you'll be back on track. And then Yeah, so then when you want kids, we'll just take you off the birth control and your cycle will be perfectly fine. (laughs) <laughs> but a lot of these, <laughs> a lot of these patients are not experiencing that, and that's the issue, right? And then they're coming and they're being like, "Why is this happening? Like, tell me why." So we have, yeah. you know, we have the time to go over their yeah. diet, to go over their lifestyle, to like figure out those things with them, and really get them on a track that actually helps them long term, right? Yeah. There's a lot of skipping over the why when you go to a gynecologist there's you know they don't have the time to like sit there usually and explain exactly why and what's going on and what you can do and all of these things exactly they just don't have enough time how long did it take you to reverse your symptoms say if i okay so yeah i went on birth control honestly within that year after coming off birth control because I went oh. to the naturopath and then got the ultrasound and then basically knew within that year that I had PCOS. So I was lucky. Yeah, I found it at the age of 19. Like that's, that's pretty, na- that's amazing. Especially because that was like more than 10 years ago. <laughs> you like skipped over all the drama of like gaining a hundred pounds and like, I don't know what's going on, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's it's, great. It was huge. Yeah. So I was lucky for sure. That's good. So what are some of the things that you did for yourself that you now recommend to your patients, like diet changes? Mm. I would say like, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the patients I see are very different. Um, I'm a lean PCOS patient. So, you know, what I would do for myself versus someone who, who is overweight would be totally different. But generally speaking, like, um, I would say the biggest thing for me has been dietary changes, um, which has been like going dairy and gluten free and honestly taking out every piece of sugar in my diet. Um, Even to the point where this year, I actually started taking out like honey and maple syrup and all these things that still end up turning into glucose in your body. And so ever since that too, I've noticed my um, skin is way more clear um by even just doing that so you know we always talk about paleo diet and paleo does have 
um, still maple syrup and honey and all those good things. But yeah, those things can even impact you as well. So yeah, sugar is such a big thing too. Like in addition to gluten and dairy, when you like look at how much sugar we just have in a day, because mm-hmm. you don't consider like all oh, like maple syrup or maybe like something that's bread basic. has sugar, bread and then like once you like take that out, like you said, like it gets rid of a lot of the inflammatory symptoms like acne or you know other issues. Yeah, and that's why like even all of the studies are saying low carbohydrate diet because all these carbohydrates we're putting into the body, they get broken down into small molecules of glucose and glucose is basically sugar, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why we really need to make sure. So yeah, I would say basically going on a dairy and gluten-free diet, taking out a bunch of sugar um, and then using supplements. Um, for me, it was it's very much um, using botanicals has really helped. Um, because I have low estrogen levels and so estrogen um, and like high testosterone so like things like saw palmetto um, can really help me but also like built herbs that help to build estrogen um, like tribulus and black cohosh um, all of those herbs kind of like in you know, synergy together can really help support my body. Um, And then stress management is huge. Like I had a point where I didn't get a period for like four months when I was writing board exams. (laughs) (laughs) And that makes sense, right? Because I was like super stressed. Yeah. And I find that too with my patients when they come to me, they're quite stressed. And so one of the things we're doing is really focusing on how to build like mindfulness into your day and Mm. using yoga um, as one of the biggest um, things to help you. Actually, someone sent me a study today and it was um, yoga three times a week can reduce your testosterone by 29%. Wow. Yeah, it was mindfulness yoga. Yeah, relax. Yeah, so those things are huge, right? Like building all of the foundations of health, I think are the biggest things and it takes time. Like it took me time too, to really build those in. But once I did, I saw huge changes. That's such a good way to put it, building those in. The mindful thing. Would you consider meditation as a, as a mindful like a thing to do? Oh, oh, yeah. Like, I would say foundations of health are like diet, um, exercise, sleep, and stress, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you really build the foundations around all four of those things, and then on top of that, add supplements or add botanicals if you need it, mm-hmm. um, because those are the things that are lifelong that are going to help the body regardless. Yeah. And like stress management, like that one, really, it's about becoming more mindful in terms of what's happening in your body. You know, it's funny because people like to start with supplements. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right away jump into supplements because yeah. it's like the magical you know solution, but. You have, there's a reason it's called supplement. You have to supplement onto something you're doing at the same time. I love that. Yeah, it's so true. And like today I had a patient who like we went over, you know, Avocetol is really helping her. It's getting her to get a cycle every month, but she's still struggling with like stress and sleep. And, you know, she's still struggling with all these things. And it's like, you know, it's okay to take a vessel to get your cycles regular again, but at the end of the day, you still need to work on those foundations, I think. Yeah. 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 We say the same thing. Like, even if you're taking a you can reverse your symptoms by also improving your diet, your lifestyle, going gluten and dairy free. Instead, like, if you don't do that, then you kind of stand still. Mm-hmm. Like, you take a but you don't really see the progress with your health in reversing symptoms. 
one of the biggest ways to like reduce insulin resistance and start getting your cells to become more sensitive to insulin from what we see is actually diet. Um, it actually surpasses something like metformin and even ovacetol and myonacetol because yeah. the diet is actually where like the first, that's the first point of contact, you know, in your digestive system and then into your bloodstream, like all those nutrients that you're putting in, mm -hmm. that's going to, what's, what's really going to change those numbers on blood work. Wow. That's amazing. So can you touch on diet a little more and like tell us about some of the research behind gluten and dairy free that you share with your patients and how you help them adapt their diet? Mm -hmm. So yeah, so diet is huge. The first thing we go over is like a kind of a complete diet diary to see like what they're eating. Um, and then really explain to them that like, basically what we see in terms of dairy is that dairy can be extremely low on glycemic index. So even if you look at like um, milk, for example, milk is very low on glycemic index. So when I say glycemic index, I'm talking about how high glucose rises after eating a certain food. But when you look at the insulin index, it's actually extremely high. It's like almost double or like three times higher on the insulin index. And that's huge because you know, when we're talking about reducing insulin to like help with weight loss and help with insulin resistance, we really want to make sure that we're putting in foods that actually are low on insulin index. And that's something I feel like we don't necessarily talk about mm -hmm. um, in terms of diabetes and PCOS. Um, and so that's that's one thing I'm trying to explain to them uh, and showing them the graphs of like, this is what it looks like. And so they understand for sure. And then, you know, there is some research um, that we have. And uh, one of the studies actually here, I have it here. It was with like 400 women in Iran and it was found that there was actually a direct relationship between milk consumption and the risk of having PCOS, which is crazy, wow. right? Because wow. that's huge. First of all, it's a lot of women, 400 women's a pretty good study. Mm -hmm. And the relationship that they found was huge. And then even like studies with like, low starch and low dairy consumption in like overweight women that have PCOS, like they saw reduction in weight loss and fasting insulin and testosterone and insulin resistance. Yeah. And that's huge, right? So there's studies that are there and we just, we see the impact um, as we're putting patients on a dairy-free diet. It's definitely difficult. Um, a lot of patients, there's different types of patients, like some patients, I'll ask them, like, do you, are you an all or nothing person? <laughs> or, or are you that person who needs to like slowly take it out because they've lived with dairy for like maybe 20, 30 years, right? Yeah. So it's kind of really like supporting them on saying, okay, like if you eat dairy every day, then maybe decrease it to like every other day. Or if you eat dairy, like maybe two to three times a week, then like cut it down to half or like cut it all out altogether. So it really depends on where the patients add to like help to support them to reduce the dairy. Um, but they know that like, even sometimes just convincing someone, hey, go dairy free for the weekend <laughs> or like three days, they see a huge difference yeah. in their like swelling or like pain and um, even like their bloating and like gas, like all these digestive symptoms improve. So then that gives them motivation. And then they come back and they're like, I'm telling everyone to go dairy free. <laughs> <laughs> My yeah. partner is now dairy free. Yeah. Like, That's great. Yeah. So 
they get motivated, um, but they there's some of them are really resistant, right? Because they've like lived with like chai tea that has like milk in there like every day. As a kid, you grow life. up drinking milk, milk every night. Cups and cups of milk like every built night into our brain. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I remember when I was younger, my mom used to tell me, "Hey, just drink a cup of milk and I'll help you go to sleep." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the thing. And I, I, I remember doing milk. that when I had trouble sleeping. And now I'm like, oh. I can't believe I did that. But I mean, it helped at the time. But yeah, now I'm like, I, I will not, I, I cannot drink milk at all. Like it just, even like when that I go to Starbucks, like and I have a like cup that. of milk for us. Death. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I said a cup of milk for us would be like death. Can you imagine? Death. Yeah. Sometimes when I go and instead of putting coconut milk, they put regular milk. I like die. <laughs> oh my gosh, this oh, tastes horrible. No. It actually tastes so much better with coconut. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. It's just about your body getting used to it. And once they see the change and the impact, they're, they're sold. Yeah, one thing you said that was interesting was the insulin index. I haven't personally heard that before. Is there like a like some other foods that we should be aware of that is like high on the insulin index that maybe like sisters should avoid? Um, you know, foods that are high on insulin index would be like similar to like glycemic index, but the ones that are specifically like low on glycemic, but high on insulin, those are like dairy products. Oh, I see. But yeah, even if you Google insulin index, like you'll, you can get a list of like all the foods that are like high, Perfect. like low, medium, high on insulin index, which is really interesting. Wow. Yeah, and that's one index that we really need to pay attention to, especially because the goal is to bring insulin down so that the body has a chance to use fat stores for energy instead of, you know, glycogen in the liver and whatnot. So it's really important to, you know, have these big meals, but then also don't eat in between or like intermittent fasting as well, especially if you have a high insulin because that gives insulin a chance to actually calm down, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah we talked like uh, in the previous episode that like 12 hours, it may be like the perfect range for women with PCOS, just so like it gives enough time for insulin to come down, but not too much where, you know, then your blood sugar drops and you have the opposite effect. Yeah, for sure. I, I always say 12 hours too, because I think 16 is a little bit too much. And I mean, I think 16 is okay if you're not doing it every day um, and your insulin's really high, yeah, like maybe like twice, twice a, a week, week. Yeah. You know, but not every day. And 12 is more manageable because you're basically, you're basically asleep and then two hours, you know, before and after mm -hmm. waking up and going to bed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot easier. Yeah. Do you feel like everyone with PCOS should be gluten should be gluten and dairy free or at least dairy free? I think definitely dairy free. Every single patient who comes in who has PCOS asks this. And I always say like definitely dairy free because um, dairy can really impact that insulin. And we know insulin is a huge driving factor mm -hmm. into many of the symptoms related to PCOS. Um, because insulin drives testosterone production and that's where like all the symptoms happen like acne hair loss hair growth um weight gain um mm -hmm. but basically yeah dairy free for sure and then you know the meal plans that and the the way we kind of coach patients is that they should be gluten-free as well only because like it really is an inflammatory food and patients who actually most patients actually find that they have like a little bit of a sensitivity to it 
um, because PCOS has this low underlying, like low grade inflammation, if we remove inflammatory foods, they're just going to get better inevitably, right? Mm -hmm. So like most people can um, appreciate that and come off of it, no problem. Um, some people, obviously, they feel like they don't have any digestive upset or issues with gluten. And if that's you, like, I think it's fine to keep in a little bit, but I still think like going majority, like gluten free would be your best bet. Because at the end of the day, like the foods that are filled with gluten are more processed, right? Mm -hmm. um, unless you're buying like a really nice piece of like sourdough bread or something like that. Um, and then like, if you don't have a sensitivity to gluten, then maybe on occasion having it. Um, yeah. I mean, some of you are hard to digest. So it's like, it's, it does havoc on your intestines, like any corn based products that are like cheaply made so bad for our digestive yeah. system. Yeah. Sourdough bread has minimal gluten though. Yeah. Sourdough has minimal, really yeah, minimal gluten. I'm really sensitive. I feel like to gluten and even sourdough bread will impact me. Mm. Yeah. For so, me, you know, skin. I really think the gluten part is maybe a little bit more um, case by case, but all, like there's no harm going gluten free because then you're just forced to eat a real food diet, you know, mm -hmm. like you're forced to eat like good, healthy fats, lots of veggies, good lean protein, and then, you know, um, carbohydrates that aren't processed. Yeah. yeah, I think in too, like in many cases, you don't have to maybe strictly go 100% gluten free. It's maybe replacing a lot of those like really big staples like bread, for example, that's has so much gluten, so much, you know, empty calories sometimes because it's made, you know, white bread has like no nutrients, basically. So like if you replace a lot of those basic fundamentals, maybe like 40 50%, then like it's really helpful, I think. Yeah. And I always say that, like, if you're going to have a carbohydrate, you have to have some kind of protein and healthy fat beside it, right? Because that's going to stabilize blood sugar. Um, and that's the goal, right? We don't want these, like, spikes and lows of blood sugar throughout the day, because that will impact your insulin as well, your insulin glucose in terms of balancing it. Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. So what are some of the supplements that you recommend? Moving on from diet. <laughs> Yeah, so I think, you know, it really depends on the patient again, but, you know, majority of the time, if it's insulin resistance, we're using things like myonositol, pchironositol, um, we're using berberine. Um, this is a herb, like a Chinese medicine herb, that's really focusing, focused on the gut um, and can help. We've actually seen in some studies helps with like metabolic syndrome and non-alcohol fatty liver disease, um, helps with cholesterol. It really works in the gut and helps support the microbiome in the gut or like even um, killing some anything that's there like a virus or bacteria or anything like that. But what we found actually in the studies that it actually can lower insulin. And um, so that's one herb that I use. If someone's like really insulin resistant, mm -hmm. their numbers are extremely high. Um, they don't have like too many digestive issues because sometimes berberine can be more um, irritating to the gut. Um, we, we tend to go towards like berberine and to really drive the numbers down and help stabilize insulin and glucose. Um, so yeah, that's a herb that I really like. And then chromium as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, Chromium is really good um, as well at really like 
even just maintaining blood glucose um, and also just supporting like healthy weight and even cholesterol. So um, yeah, chromium and just like products that have like multiple different types of things in there to help with um, insulin resistance. Um, you know, like alpha lipoic acid and N-acetylcysteine, mm -hmm. all these like um, supplements we've seen that can help with insulin resistance. Quercetin is one I've heard a lot about. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I love N-acetylcysteine. Mm -hmm. So N-acetylcysteine is a precursor to glutathione and glutathione is our biggest antioxidant, one of the biggest antioxidants in our body. And N-acetylcysteine can really help that patient who has like lots of inflammation, um, who it actually has been shown too to help reduce testosterone and insulin. So it kind of like hits a bunch of things. It's even helpful to like um, help with ovulation, like regulating ovulation. So yeah, I really love N-acetylcysteine because oftentimes we see a lot of inflammation in PCOS, um, especially when we do lab work, we see that their HSCRP, this is high sensitivity C-reactive protein, this is high. So, yeah. So Mine I was so that. high. Mine was like 10 times higher than it should be. Is it? It used to be. It used to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's so surprising, right? Because sometimes people don't have any signs of inflammation. It's not like you have pain or like, yeah. you know, like people won't even have that. But then their HSCRP will be extremely high. So, you know, like inside there's somewhere there's inflammation, maybe the gut, right? Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting. Did you there have any symptoms? One, there was one, speaking of um, CRP, I remember when I found that out on my lab work, I showed it to someone, I think she was a dietitian, and she was like, well, you know, it could be that you're, you had a sick, you were sick, like a cold or something that caused this influence. I was like, but I don't have a cold, like I have PCOS. <laughs> She's like well, like maybe this is just how your body is and this is like the weight that you, your body wants to be. And I'm like, but I'm so uncomfortable. I'm like exploding out of my skin. I feel like this is a terrible feeling of inflammation, you know? And she's like, but like, maybe that's just how you are. I'm like, but it needs to change. Like, what do you mean? Something needs to change. Yeah. So, so it's funny. interesting because, because PCOS is a syndrome, there's so many moving parts to it, right? Yeah. And so like sometimes, um, you know, some people just don't know all the little connections because there's so yeah. many little things and everybody's a little bit different, right? Yeah. Like my HSCRP has never been elevated, but my, my LH and FSH are pretty low, but my estrogen's also low and my testosterone's high. So it's like, it's so interesting because like every single patient comes in is like a unique puzzle that we just kind of have to fit back yeah. together. Yeah. yeah. And it changes over time. Like yeah. I had a Dutch test done, the complete hormone test done three years ago. And it said I had low testosterone and high estrogen, like estrogen dominance. And that was so different from like way before. Mm. And I think it was like stress related. We were like wedding planning, getting our, our everything was changing, you know. So then I knew exactly what supplements to take and like how to handle the situation. And now I'm curious to see like what's going on now. <laughs> Maybe I'll take another hormone test. Yeah, because, you know, all the lab testing we do, it's like a snapshot of like what's happening yeah. in your body right now. Right. And yeah. you're right. It can change. Stressful situations can really throw things off, especially with insulin resistance. Yeah. Somebody last night, um, 
messaged me and was like, how does Beyonce do it? Like, how does she keep up? You know, she, she's like, I'm watching the Coachella performance and it's just so insane. She how does she like, not have adrenal fatigue? She has everything going, like all the supplements, all the right food. Yeah. If, she does, if you do everything, I mean, it can be done. I feel like, yeah, I feel like if you combat the Maybe stress. Maybe add some drugs in there. No. Who knows? <laughs> no, I feel like the, I, she probably has like a chef a maid, a yeah. nanny, like yeah. everyone, you know, pampering her so that she's not like overly stimulated when she's doing yeah. this like crazy routine. Plus, there's genetics. Like, not everybody has PCOS. Sure. Not, not everyone's everybody like predisposed. Has genetics, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> everyone has Beyonce's genetics. But also, like, yeah, her full time job is to focus on her body. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and honestly, we should make our full time not full-time job because we have to work but like our full-time hobby focusing jobs yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's a huge like you know you won't be able to show up for your family your friends your co-workers anybody unless you yourself are putting the effort to become healthier in your own body right and listen and just like listening to like what your body needs right just being more aware about it because even like with foods the more aware we become on like how foods affect us can make a huge difference because mm-hmm. yeah. i i'm not going to be like with the patients every 24 7 like asking them like what's your digestion like after you ate that thing right like it's really just like setting them up for how can they be more empowered to make the right choices and decisions and then have that control for the rest of their lives to be like, okay, actually, I think I need to start taking this or start exercising or start getting back on track. Like, you know, like just putting the foundations back in. A lot of times it's just like them seeing the results themselves as like an eyewitness. That's like so powerful to like sustain that permanently, you know, Mm -hmm. like for me, like when I, when I was like 18, I totally like dropped drinking like stuff like Coca-Cola, things like that. I learned about sugar and stuff. And like it was hard at first, but like once you feel better and like you like don't even want it, like you're like disgusted by it. Like, I can I can never have a Coke ever again. I can't even imagine taking yeah. a sip at this point in ever. my life. I, I haven't done it like in like five, six years. Yeah. It's just like I don't even want it. Yeah. I mean, it was such a fashionable thing at one point, like the 90s and stuff. Everyone was drinking Coke. So... Yeah, and then once you get into that, into that, it's like hard to realize what it's affecting. Even gluten and dairy, like you're eating it, you're eating it. You have no idea how it's gonna affect you unless you cut it out mm-hmm. for like a month to see. Yeah, so, I always think of it as like a flame. It's like we're feeding the flame, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. flame is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we just have this big flame in our body, and then eventually, like we put water over the flame, and it just becomes ashes. and then like we're just in this like state of like rebuild and then anytime you like add a little bit of like gluten or you add a little bit of dairy you like feed the flame again and it just like comes back and it's just yeah yeah, and you want to really keep it at that low level like nothing's happening and everything's just running smoothly because that will actually help you change things and move forward feel more energy sleep better you know get your digestive system on track yeah Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing about gluten actually is that it can cause leaky gut, right? And leaky gut is huge, um, especially in digestive cases. And because what gluten does is it actually breaks the bonds that hold the small intestinal cells together. 
these are called tight junctions. And so what will happen is like the gluten will come in and it'll just like break all the bonds that hold the cells together. So now you have this opening up of cells in the small intestine. So now all the molecules can like kind of get through that are from your food and that can really impact the immune system, cause inflammation. And so it's, you know, some people have that too. And it's so it's important to like think about all these things because gluten can affect so many different um, things in the digestive system, right? So mm -hmm. things yeah. like how the digestive system works. Yeah. And it can also affect insulin levels mm -hmm. as well. Inflammation. Yeah. I mean, there's even research showing that it like, it can lead to joint pain and like back yeah. pain and stuff like that. Cause that's again, inflammation yeah. being caused. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Very interesting. I mean, there's just so much research on gluten and dairy, but unfortunately they haven't done specific research on gluten, dairy and PCOS. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's why in school they don't teach dietitians the specifics of this because there is no, Re there's not enough research you have to have experience you have to have pcos you have to see all these patients with pcos for a while so you can understand the trends that are happening and you know there are a couple of books out there not even a lot like literally two that really capture the pcos picture of what's going on out there and aside from that, which is like, you know, a couple of doctors who wrote books, anecdotal evidence of like what they've been seeing um, with their patients. Aside from that, there's no research specifically on PCOS, gluten, dairy, the different types of PCOS, what affects and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So a lot of doctors and dietitians don't know what the heck is happening. Yeah. And it's really annoying. <laughs> I just really wish people would get on the bandwagon. I know. <laughs> I know. So many people would benefit from that. But that's why we're here to spread the word. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 And really educate women on what their body needs. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it's also like, like these days, it's very hard to follow research studies and like follow at least reputable ones because like so many are one sided because it's just trying to, you know, you know, f figure one thing out. So I feel like going through a doctor's experience and their own anecdotal evidence based on their patients mm -hmm. is a lot of times more valuable, more valuable. than what you can find. Totally. Yeah. By the time a research study is conducted and approved and launched yeah. and then the <laughs> curriculum at your school changes and they teach it to the dietitians, 10 years will go by. Yeah. And like, I don't see that happening yeah, anytime so soon. True. Yeah. yeah. I had to learn all of this through experience and naturopathic doctors who have experience. Yeah. For heaven's sakes. Okay. Okay. Should we go over some of the messages that we've received on Instagram story? I asked the sisters what they would ask a naturopathic doctor, you know, if they had a chance. And let me go over a few. So one of them from Tara Radcliffe is how did I get PCOS in the first place? And how do I resolve the underlying issues that caused it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a huge question. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, but I think, you know, one of the biggest things is genetics. Yeah. yeah. And then on top of that, I would say is epigenetics, right? Mm -hmm. Like the environment that you live in can really impact and turn on certain genes in your body that can then create a hormonal imbalance mm -hmm. um so basically you know even like stressful situations or 
stressful times in your life can really change the hormonal picture in your body or like start weight gain or start insulin resistance a lot of times that's where when patients are coming in they're saying like i like went to university and then like all of a sudden i had all this stress and then like i started getting irregular cycles and then you know and then i started growing hair in weird places and now i have hair loss and so like yeah yeah so i feel like it's very much like genetics, but then also epigenetics. So like the environment that you're putting your body in, the stress or, you know, whatnot to really yeah. impact it. Being given totally. birth control, something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. After birth control, you can have PCOS, post-pill PCOS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And There's so, these, you know, it can really it can really impact you. And so some, I think the second part of the question was like, how do you, how do you treat the underlying cause? Was that the second part? Um, yes. How do you treat the underlying cause? So I think honestly, the biggest thing in my practice, and I think you would agree, like using a lab work actually to really understand the underlying cause of what's happening in your body is probably number one. Um, because there can be multiple different things going on and not like I said everyone's the same some people will have certain hormones high or certain hormones low and it's really about figuring out what's actually happening and then treating that specific issue yeah in terms of supplementation I, I lab work is so helpful because you have to know what's going on before just throwing supplements at it so that's why we don't really recommend like all these supplements all the time. We we explain them and then if a sister feels like it's appropriate, they'll take it. But most sisters have insulin resistance. So Ovacetol helps most sisters. So that's one. But yeah, Ovacetol's um, great for egg quality too. Yeah. So, you know, you might not have insulin resistance or you might have like a little bit of insulin resistance, but if you're trying to conceive, you know, like it's still really good for egg quality. Totally. Okay, one more question. Christine A., says how do i know i'm doing the right thing i don't feel a lot of a difference day to day yeah so this is a great question um and i honestly feel like sometimes it can be hard if you're if you know you're doing the right thing um but what i can say to that is a it's really important to like again go into your body and like feel like what's actually happening are you getting more energy are you less stressed? Um, are you losing weight or even not even numbers, but do you feel like your body composition is changing? Mm-hmm. Um, and even like give it time. Hormones take time to change. Like even give it at least three months, you know, to really yeah. like after, like give it all your best for three months to change your diet and really um, if you're going to put supplements in, put the supplements in, but then use those three months to really like focus on how you're feeling and make sure you exercise too during that time, because those things will actually impact you even further. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like um, if you don't feel change right away, it's not an issue. I would say keep at it, wait for three months and maybe then see if you need to adjust or change something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. Um, another question, how do I keep my hormones under control when I go off birth control? Will I gain weight again? Will, will I gain weight again? Yeah. yeah. Everyone's oh. different. 
Yeah, how to keep your hormones controlled after the birth control. Okay, so essentially, like, the birth control, I would say, needs at least, like, three months after that Mm -hmm. to really, like, then look at your hormones because within that three months, your cycles could be totally regular because you just came off the birth control. But again, give it three months, and then at that point, go and get some lab work because then you'll know exactly what's happening in your body naturally. And then at that point, you can kind of figure out um, what's going on in terms of a hormonal imbalance and then treat it based on that. Yes. Right? Babe, are there any questions you see here that you want to ask? Okay. Uh, Let's see. Okay, I like this one. Um, How is, because I've heard this before, how is sleep apnea related to PCOS? Have you heard of any relation between sleep apnea and PCOS? You see a lot of sleep apnea and PCOS yeah, patients. I've heard that too. Yeah, and I think the um, the connection there is the insulin and the glucose. Mm. Mm. Okay. Lowering that. Yeah, really focusing on the insulin resistance. We have been recommending CBD lately because it's really helped with stress, especially during coronavirus and all of this. Um, but one sister. Actually, she took CBD. She was getting more REM sleep, like two hours more REM sleep. It yeah. was incredible. She had like that tracker app and then like she like showed a screenshot before and after and it was like 45 minutes compared to two hours and five minutes. Wow. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. But yeah. I think all the questions were like about everything we pretty much talked yeah. about. Yeah, I feel so, like we covered them. Yeah, we covered everything. Awesome. Great. I love this podcast. I know. People are going to really enjoy this. Yeah. Before we wrap it up, do you want to share with us a win from one of your patients? Oh, yeah. I know we're like putting you on the spot, but can you think of a scenario with a patient that just like turned out great? And yes. Okay. Let me think of one I had. Yeah. And then maybe afterwards you can uh, let the sisters know how they can reach you if they ever want your help or anything like that. Okay. Awesome. So let me see here. Because I actually pulled out three kind of cases that I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm, it's so hard to choose. I'm <laughs> so good at doing what I tell them to do. <laughs> I know. We always feel the same way. We have like, like so many great like, success stories and stuff. We want to tell them all, but only yeah. one per week. <laughs> okay, only one. So basically, um, okay, I'll tell this one. Hold on. So she was like um, overweight PCOS patient. She had gone Synthroid. She's trying to um, get pregnant. And um, Synthroid is a thyroid medication. And so Mm -hmm. basically like um, in March or January of 2018, like kind of in between there, she had like her HbA1c, this is like how well you're able to process glucose over three months was like 6.7. And then her fasting glucose was 6.2. So it was above the range. And then her fasting insulin, actually. So she just fasted for 12 hours. She went in, she got a blood test, was 431, which is huge because you kind of want this to be around 50 in healthy cells. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, we change her diet. We put in things like uh, low carb diet, lots of veggies, lean protein, um, gluten dairy free, she went on um, inositol, she did vitamin D, um, she went on berberine, um, she took B12, she did prenatal, and she also did like quenzyme Q10. So like quite a few supplements, but there was a lot to change and she really wanted to get pregnant. 
right? And so um, sometimes you have to use these supplements to mm -hmm. really help to support the body. But then basically in July of 2018, her HbA1c was now 5.6. So she's in the healthy range. Her fasting glucose, same thing, 5.6. And then her fasting insulin was 180. So still high, wow. but a huge More change from down. like 431, right? Yeah. When we wow. first yeah. started working together, uh, which was huge. And um, she actually ended up doing an IUI and, and we did acupuncture like almost weekly and she ended up getting pregnant in July. Oh my awesome. gosh, how exciting. Yeah. yeah, and like, you know, she was that patient who like, they couldn't start medication her hba1c was above this range and she um she was tracking like her blood glucose even like after breakfast and lunch and dinner to like really get her blood sugar down oh, yeah um and really focusing on that diet piece and that's what really drove the numbers down i would say like i think the supplements helped her but that was a huge thing like even just like small things she would notice that like didn't necessarily um seem like they were bad for her body but were spiking her blood sugar right mm -hmm. um like she would do like chia seed pudding for example and like um if she put like unsweetened almond milk or like accidentally put like sweetened almond milk she would like see a huge spike right wow. like she yeah so she she really got to like understand like food and like how to read labels and i think that's huge because mm -hmm. those are the things that will actually help you and if you're very really insulin resistant uh you know using like a glucometer is actually really good because it can oh, show yeah. you and teach you how your body um, is, is reacting. reacting to all these foods that you're eating. It's a great idea. Is that something you can find, like, buy on Amazon or anything? Glucometer? Yeah, so I think the one that I like is called Freestyle Libra. Okay. It's, I have no association with them, but, like, that one's pretty cool because, like, you just stick, like, um, it's just, like, a sensor, and then you can just, like, tap the machine to it, and it or, like, the sensor to it, and it just mm -hmm. tells you your blood sugar, and then you can even um, check it on, your like, an app on your phone, which is yeah. cool. Yeah. It's not great. a needle? Say again. Is it a needle or a sensor? It's, I think it's like a tiny, tiny needle oh. that just goes into your arm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. It's very powerful, yeah. like you said, for for people to witness the results and see what's happening, like right after they eat something. Yeah. Yeah, because they think like, oh, it's okay if I just eat this, but then they realize that that actually is impacting their body, right? Yeah. And then they they see that when they put good healthy carbs with like protein and fat and lots of veggies they see their blood sugar low so they're like more motivated more convinced that like yeah this is actually what my body is telling me that i need to do yeah mm -hmm. sure. instead of someone like me just being like this is what your body needs yeah <laughs> listen to me yeah yeah That's and if uh, if anybody wants to find you how could they reach you so you, know, you could help them so that you could help them out Awesome. Yeah. So I have a website. It's just saminamitha.com. And then Thank I'm it. on Instagram as well. And um, yeah, I'm doing a webinar on Monday or oh no, Tuesday, next Tuesday. So I don't know when it's going to go live. But basically, you know, check my website for any like webinars or Instagram because um, yeah, I'm always trying to just put information out there because that's what I feel people need, right? Yeah. They just need more guidance and more information and more support. And they just need to know, like the sisterhood, like you have, like to really just get support on what they need to do. Yeah. 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 You're one of our favorite, like other PCOS accounts and just in general, like health accounts, because you really know how to put the information out there and like make it easy for others to learn from. So we thank you so love having you here on the podcast today. Honestly, it was a great so interview fun. and we should definitely do this more often. Yeah, I agree. I love chatting with you guys. I love. Yeah, yeah I love this. It's great. Yeah.
Thank, thank you, you so much. much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. Alrighty. Thank you, sisters, for listening to this episode. This is, uh, I guess, it for this one. Yeah. And we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Pure Spectrum CBD. Sirak and I have been taking CBD and we are loving it. I'm holding the tincture right now. Talin, can you open your mouth, please? Now? Yeah, I'm going to give you a dosage. <laughs> now, keep it there for 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. While she does that, let me tell you the great benefits of CBD for PCOS. Studies show it reduces cortisol, mm. improves insulin sensitivity, mm -hmm. reduces inflammation, you can go to PureSpectrumCBD.com now to order and use the code THESISTERHOOD, one word, at checkout for 20% off. Natalia, hold it for 30 seconds longer while the sisters enjoy the show. <laughs>